hello and welcome to show some respect. Tom Whitcomb is talking back in my house. Back in my house for the first time in a long time. It's good to be back. For those of you watching, as this is going to be uh, video recorded once again, back onto YouTube. Welcome. You'll see I have uh, I got shelves now. Shelves worth every fucking penny of uh, everything this has cost me, both in uh, financial and and time measures of the last six weeks of my life. No, it is actually. I live in a much nicer house now. Uh, you know, this is this is uh, what what maybe I should just turn this into a, a financial advice podcast. How you too can own your own home and renovate it for. I don't want to put a figure on it. I'm only going to alienate a lot of you. It's 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 a lot. It's a lot. Here's here's, a, here's here we go. Here's the barefoot investor Tom Whitcomb edition. How to own your own house. Number one, have a grandparent who is equal parts rich and dead. That is, I can't stress that enough. That is step one and the final step of all of this. If if step one a is handy to have is to have a partner who loves to interior decorate and also uh, has no relatives left any older than her parents. That is really great advice. You don't hear enough of it. I've read The Barefoot Investor cover to cover. I haven't seen anything about inheritance. It's it's really, it's it's more of a cheat sheet of anything. So uh, look, here's hoping your, par- your grandparents are still alive so you haven't already benefited from their passing. Hopefully that's still to come, something to look forward to for you all. It's great to be here. Yet again, gee, a lot has happened in the past week. A lot to talk about. I mean, uh, I'll, I'll start off with this. I was at Victoria's Basement this morning because this is a podcast brought to you, you know, for yuppies by yuppies. I was at uh, everyone's favourite, everybody's favourite uh, white goods and appliance store. It's not a white goods store, is it? You guys, I mean, knowing my audience, that that would have really, that would have... Even if you weren't really paying attention before, you're on the train, you've got headphones, and you're like, wait a minute, white goods? <laughs> what Victoria's basement is he shopping at? I should say, I don't know, crockery? Crockery kitchenware. I believe kitchenware would be the... Uh, kitchenware and plastic flowers for some reason. Uh, and, and, those, and those old... And those, those trolleys uh, that are used for shopping exclusively by uh, Chinese women who are anywhere between the age of 60 and 400... Hard to tell. Um, I felt that they had a whole little, a whole little display set up for those. You, you, everyone knows those trolleys. I mean, right with the ones like they kind of they stand vertically, but then they roll on their wheels. They're very. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I know. I know exactly who they are for. I don't know why they skew so Chinese though. It's definitely a thing. But uh, I was at Victoria's basement and I, and I saw this little exchange, which has just made my day. It's just a reminder that comedy is everywhere when you look for it. It's like Shakespeare says, the world has punchlines for those who listen. Um, I, was, uh, I was waiting for, to, to get my... Wait, waiting at the checkout uh, as, as we got our, our new non-stick pants. Don't mean to brag. Non-stick, no sticking. Don't, don't even need the oil, which is great because our oil is also very expensive. We don't get the cheap shit you buy. Uh, but the uh, waiting to waiting to check out, and behind the counter is uh, a man who you know. Picture your dad. That's him. Picture your dad. He was behind the counter, and next to him, uh, picture your loser cousin. Yeah, him again. So it was this one guy who was probably late forties, mid fifties. 
kind of daggy, but he, he meant well. And then uh, this guy next to him who would have been like 22 and he had uh, piercings in both ears. And uh, he's, um, I, I think they're talking about having a few drinks. You're going to have a few drinks tonight. You're going to have a few drinks tonight. And your dad goes, he goes, oh, man, I, uh, I only drink on days ended in Y. <laughs> and then your cousin goes, oh, that's every day. And, and your dad goes, yep. Pretty, pretty hot stuff. Pretty great, pretty great stuff going on on a Sunday at Victoria's Basement. Worth the price of admission alone. Uh, and, you know, you're already getting pans valued RRP at $700 for $69.50 somehow. God knows how that works. So that's been uh, the highlight of my day so far. Had a good week. Didn't do as much comedy as I would have liked. Did Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Not bad. Not bad. But, uh, you know, not quite the, the four a week that I ate. Did I do a Monday as well? Maybe I did a Monday. I don't recall. But I, I'll tell you this. Wednesday was bad. Oh, it was bad. Here's the thing. I always try... I'm trying to get more comfortable with just being on stage, like not needing to go up with a, a really clear plan, with a, a, a rote, learned set list of this to that to this to that. And don't remember... Don't forget to do this thing. But I, I need I need to. I need to have a plan because I went up and it's amazing how quickly you can get rattled when you're doing stand-up. I was up there and I was like halfway through a bit and something didn't land. It, I kind of got fucked because on my way up, I say, please welcome Tom Wickham. And I hear this, woo, Tommy, woo. And I look into the crowd and I see uh, two guys and the louder one's the one I focus on and I don't recognize him in the slightest, like not even, uh, and, and I get on stage and the first thing I do is I'm like, do I, do I know you? Do you know me from somewhere? And he's like, yeah, mate. Very unhelpful, unhelpful response. As if uh, what, the real question was there was, where do I know you? It, I, to be fair, I phrased it as yes or no. And I guess those are the kind of fans that I'm accruing. They just, they, they take questions as they come. Like if you need more information, just ask for it. But otherwise I, I'm going to speak when spoken to. And with you know with the podcast like show some respect Tom Whitcomb is talking I can see why I would uh, attract such just you know robots but I said where, where do I he's mate it's Toby from school now I remember Toby from school but not that one I remember the 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 cool one uh, who you know don't get me wrong I didn't like the cool one much either but he was memorable by which I mean good at sport. And uh, this Toby, total blank, total blank to me, had no idea who this was. Uh, it wasn't until after, and then he said, and Tim, and I'm like, of course I remember Tim. Great bloke, Tim, loved Tim. Missed Tim every day. Uh, but uh, Toby, no idea who you are. Don't know why Tim would waste his time on you. Now, to be fair, when the set was over, well, let me, I'll, before I skip ahead, that rattled me. Rattled me hard, forgot what I was doing, had a few jokes not land. Suddenly, I'm, I'm just gasping for air. Oh, it was, it was bleak. It was not good at all. And then, oh, don't, and look, don't get me wrong, it wasn't, it was a bad night. No one was doing great. No one was having a particularly awesome time to be there. That's why I haven't named where this show took place. But uh, no, it was not, it was not huge amounts of fun. Actually, the guy before me, 
oh, he might, he might listen. I don't, I don't need to take this. I don't need to take this turn. This is, it's fine. Uh, anyway, afterwards I did recognize, oh, that Toby. Yeah, Toby, Toby's, Toby's, Toby's bigger. Toby's bigger than Toby was. Different Toby. Toby's got a mustache now. I didn't see that coming when I was 18, but here we are. We've all grown. And, uh, so did eventually recognize Toby, but oh my, that was just one of those nights. One of those nights where you just you just come home, you drive home from a gig with the radio off because you haven't earned music. You don't deserve it. Music is for successful people. Music is for people who deserve entertainment, like that crowd did that you disappointed. And if they didn't get entertained, you don't get entertained. I recently saw a doctor and he asked me, hey, are you kind to yourself? And I'm like, what the fuck kind of question is that? I'd be kind to myself if I deserved it. Until then, I'll be getting no kindness from me. My kindness is reserved for people who deserve it. And uh, anyway, I'm writing so many jokes about... uh, about how men should be harder on one another. And uh, sometimes I wonder, do I have a responsibility? Do I have a responsibility to, to not be perpetuating that narrative? But it's just so much funnier. It's just so much funnier to say that men shouldn't cry than they should. And also then it means that I, I, I can, you know, I can continue not crying and just say it's all part of the character. I'm, uh, I'm method acting right now. But then I did. I had a pretty good set the next night, which was which was very good. And there were these two people in the front row, guy and girl on a first date. All right. Now, if I'm first date territory, casting my mind back five years ago to the last time I was on a first date, first date is ultra conservative territory. You you don't. You, it's, it's kind of like being on mood stabilizers. You don't want them to see either of the extremes of your personality. That, that you, you play it down the middle. This is, this is, if it's cricket, it's, you know, end of the last session, day one, straight bat. Straight bat, get behind it, lots of leaves, you know. Uh, date two is, is where I tended to lose a lot of them because that's when I started being myself. Um, I've never told this story on the podcast before, actually. This is pretty funny. I remember being on a second date with this American girl, and uh, I went with her and a bunch of my mates to a T20 game. So when I say a bunch of my mates, like two of my mates, one of my, my mate was a member at the SCG. He had three spare tickets. And so it was myself, another friend of ours, and this girl. And uh, we're sitting at the pub before the game, and one of my mates asks, this is 2016, I think, 2017? One of my mates asked this girl, so do you think you'll go back? She's American. I don't know if I said this already. She's an American girl. She was over here traveling and working. And one of my friends said to her, hey, do you think you'll go back to the States after this? Do you think you'll go back to the States pretty soon? And she goes, oh, I don't know, really. Like, I mean, I like it there, but just the, the whole political situation over there is just so fucked right now. There's that whole political, political situation. And I said, yeah, yeah, that Me Too movement's getting out of hand. And uh, gee, did the boys love it. Uh, and, and in relishing in how much the boys loved it, I didn't quite pick up on how much she did not. And this is how naive I was. The entire rest of the night, I'm like, she's, she's giving me some weird vibes tonight. I don't know what's happened. I don't know 
is she annoyed that I brought my friends to the game? And then eventually she told me, she's like, oh, I just couldn't tell. Are you some kind of misogynist? And I'm like, well, you sound like uh, all of my crowd members. So I don't know where you guys are getting this. Uh, I don't know. I, I think what I can land on is I'm not a misogynist, but I do find misogyny to be very funny. That is, that is some hot stuff. Anyway, back to the point. First dates. First dates conservative. Inside yourself. Don't go too, don't go too big. Don't go too brash. Just play down the line. This guy was ignoring this feedback altogether. He was, and it, oh, it was so frustrating. In a comedy show, when an audience member tries to make himself top dog, that you are guaranteed to hate that person. 100%. And he deserves it. He deserves hatred. He's, he was... He was like just having little digs because a lot of male comedians as well on that night just having little digs at all of them. When the female comedians on, he he kept it to himself, but he was just trying to like just big dog himself the whole night. Little snide comments, little kind of like little sort of passive aggressive or or I don't know, like, you know, like fake backhanded compliments to the comics. Oh, you know, you're pretty funny from time to time. Just shit like that in the middle of a set, just. Absurd. And then they one of the comics starts talking to them and he asks her, what, is, what does she do for a living? Oh, no, this is what Frenchie was on that lineup. If you know Frenchie from, from social media and Instagram fame, French, Frenchie was on the lineup and he did something great. He went and looked at her phone. She still had because they met on Hinge or whatever, some dating app. He went to the app and read out their conversation between the two of them. And the conversation went something like this. I don't know if this was mid-conversation or at the start. She goes, uh, are those DJ headphones I see in one of your photos? And he goes, yeah, haha. I just started DJing, but I have kind of don't do it much anymore. I found hitting play on a, po- on a playlist easier to do, lol. And somehow she still agreed to go on a date with him. Then they ask, what do they do? She is a healthcare worker who specializes in working with veterans. Let me just just let that sink in. A healthcare worker who specializes on working with veterans on a date with an amateur DJ who couldn't even commit to that. This I you, uh, the whole time I was watching this going, I hope this girl knows she can do better than this because this is horrendous. This guy, this guy was a white guy with ear rings. This was a white guy with ear piercings and confidence. The worst combination. If you meet a white guy with ear piercings and confidence, that's, that, is the, that is the Bermuda Triangle of douchebag guys. Different race of people with earrings, go for it. White guy with ear piercings, but he's a little bit shy and artsy? Okay. All right. It's only a matter of time before those ear piercings are going to become spaces, and we're all going to recognize that this guy is unhinged. Ear piercing studs, white skin confidence? Get out. Get out immediately. This guy is amateur DJ through and through. All right. It's only a matter of time. I, I, I bet his SoundCloud was in his dating profile. I bet his SoundCloud was in his dating profile 100%. This is my summer mix 2021. Oh. And I wanted to I wanted to say all of I'm saying these things to you cuz I was going to say them on stage to these two guys but they they quite enjoyed my set and I'm not one to uh put a a good crowd offside. So 
because you know I'm a coward. I'm a coward and uh, I am also a, a hypocrite. So as much as I hated this guy, um, as long as he's laughing, I'm happy. He might be listening to the podcast. He seemed to be a fan. And if you are, uh, please know all of that was satire. I feel the opposite. I think you're pretty cool. And I thought your, your DJ mix was pretty sick. So, a couple of good gigs last week. But hey, I think we need to get to the big news. The important stuff that happened last week. For those of you who are listening, I'm a huge rugby fan. And hey, before you jump to conclusions, not union. How about that? Who'd have thought it? Who'd have thought I could be this eloquent and this emotionally shunted and a fan of not rugby union, but rugby league? You you would think if you looked at my CV, and by CV I mean the school I went to, got to be a union guy. Got to be a union guy. Maybe he learns enough rugby league, reads enough of the back page to talk to any tradesmen that are in his house. Other than that, Waratahs. Waratahs and Wallabies, nothing else. But no, big leaguey. I mean, Eastern Suburbs Roosters leaguey, which is pretty much as close as you can get to a white-collar league fan. And uh, boy, was it a big week in the news for rugby league. And you might be thinking, well, Tom, which, which, which of the rugby league scandals are you referring to? Is it, was it the guy who I gouged someone and got a month suspension? Nope. Oh, was it the West Tigers getting one of the worst refereeing calls of all time to totally derail what should have been a win against the North Queensland Cowboys? No. Was it a Canterbury Bulldogs player having a water bottle thrown at him as he ran the length of the field to score a try? No. Was it Kevin Proctor having his contract torn up because he started vaping at halftime of a game? You would think so. You would think, given the stuff that I talk about, that that would be the prime subject for me to discuss when it comes to rugby league. But no. What I want to talk about is the Manly Seagulls finding half of its squad, more than half, willing to wear an LGBT jersey in a game for the NRL. What huge progress. What a massive step forward this is for rugby league. Ten Manly players agreed on their own free will to wear a pro-gay jersey. Am I the only one impressed? Am I the only one thinking about how this would have played out 20 years ago? 20 years ago, every single player in the NRL would have refused to wear that jersey, and they wouldn't have even needed religious grounds. They would have said, we don't want to wear it because it's kind of gay. And the NRL would have said... We thought you might say that. Don't worry about it. We understand. We'll try again in five years' time. And yet here's Manly, 10 players. Didn't even ask a question. Didn't think twice. Chuck a rainbow on it. See if I give a shit. Let's put the trans flag on there as well. We're we're pro all that stuff. And yet seven players say no. And we act like that isn't progress. I mean, granted, it was Manly. Granted, if there was going to be... I think if it was the Brisbane Broncos, I think you're probably getting more of a 2002-style response to that request. Manly Sea Eagles, just demographically, you're probably going to get a higher proportion. Which which NRL team would have the least... I, I would probably say the Roosters. I would probably say the... I mean, those guys... 
surely they, at the very least, they're getting their legs waxed by gay guys every weekend. They can't afford to say no to that stuff. If the if if any of the Sydney Roosters players refuse to wear that jersey, they're gonna have to find a new place to get a spray tan because there's no way that there's no way that that tanning salon is gonna be welcoming them back. No chance. But I think this is a I think this is a great precedent to set for rugby league. In fact, I'm excited to find out. Let's we should we should be using jerseys to find out what different rugby league teams think about a whole range of different issues. You know, what do the Gold Coast Titans think about Australia being a republic? Uh, do the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs recognise the sovereignty of Tibet? Uh, what do the New Zealand Warriors think about abortion? Are they pro-life or are they pro-choice? These are the questions. We can answer now, thanks to the Manly Seagulls. A huge step forward for, for all of us. But speaking of rugby league, I, I do have to I do have to touch on this very quickly. Something that happened to me. So, as you might recall, the start of the podcast, I said I did three gigs, three gigs last week. I talked about Wednesday night, absolute shocker. Went home hating myself. I talked about Thursday night, faith restored. I'm the greatest of all time. There's no doubt about it. That's how good Thursday night went. In that it went a slightly above average. And that's all it takes for me to think, you know what, I'm pretty gifted and talented. Friday. Friday, I had been asked uh, quite a while ago, I think about five weeks ago, I'd been asked by uh, uh, a friend of a, well, a, a, a fellow comics partner. I'm trying to work out, I'm trying to keep this as anonymous as I can while still hitting the key details of this story. I'd been asked by a comic that I know, uh, his partner had asked me, if I could come and perform at a uh, charity lunch in, uh, in, in the Shire, in the Sutherland Shire. And um, I honestly, with the type of material that I do, as soon as somebody said, come and perform at a charity, I'm like, this isn't going to go good. This isn't going to be great. I have a feeling my, my style of comedy is not the one that elicits donations. My style of comedy elicits gasps and shame uh, in, in both directions, inward and outward. And uh, I don't think that's really what's going to help those sick kids. But uh, I got a call from this person. They said, I want to tell you more about it. And he, he put me at ease. Here's what he said. It's in the Shire. It's very blokey. It's an all-men's luncheon. All-men's. There are going to be about 400 people there. They're going to be pissed by about 2 p.m. And the more offensive you can go, the better. This guy had seen my festival show and basically said, that stuff was great. But if at any stage you feel like being less of a pussy on stage, this is the time to do it. That isn't exactly what he said, but that's how I heard it. I, it felt like a challenge to me. And I thought, well, I have had a lot of thoughts about... Germany circa 1942 to 1945 that I could bring up, if that translates. I don't know if you guys are big big into the history books, but th some, some interesting stuff happened there uh, that uh, I have some opinions about. I read this girl's diary, and it really inspired me. <laughs> hey, bonus, I, I think that's a pretty clear reference, but uh, look, even, even, if it's, even if it is super clear, bonus points if you got that. You know, that, uh, that that did something for me. So he's like, nah, they're going to, don't worry about being too offensive. There's no such thing. You're going to love it. It's going to be great. 
Um, so the closer I get to this thing, the more nervous I'm getting. Because this, the way I feel about stand-up is anything outside of routine makes me nervous. So, you know, if I'm doing it at a gig where I know the guy who runs it, I know the other comics on the lineup, I know the venue, I kn- I've done that night before, that's perfect. I'm feeling very, very confident. I've, I'm in familiar territory, not a problem. As soon as you start to change any of those variables, that's when I start to get a little bit nervous. Maybe there's some comics in the lineup I don't know anymore. Maybe I'm in a different city and I don't know anyone there. This was in the middle of the day, hardly ever do. In a room with one other comic, hardly ever do. In front of a guy who I barely know and a group of people that I barely know, it's just all of these variables. I was like, oh shit, this could be... I wasn't thinking it would be bad, but I knew it had the potential to be awful. That was my concern. And this is such classic like anxiety level thinking where it's just, I knew objectively, even at its worst, I'm getting paid well, I'm doing 15 minutes. I can de- I was like, it worked out, I won't put the dollar amount on it, but it worked out to be like, you know, a banknote every minute. So just imagine that. Just imagine, even if it was the worst it could possibly go, pure silence, everyone's hating you, hecklers, whatever. Boil it down to your per-minute payment as if you wouldn't put up with that. I heard a guy say this on a podcast recently. For certain gigs, what they're really paying for you, the skill that they're paying for you is your ability to tolerate embarrassment. And I was like, I didn't think that's what this was. But even if it was, it's like, okay, I've I've been embarrassed on stage before. I've experienced shame. I can can withstand this. Now, without spoiling it, that's, that's not how this plays out, to be fair. But... Uh, so, I get to the luncheon on Friday after several days of nerves and anxiety and just like, sometimes, you know when you have a thing on your calendar where it's like, I just got to get this thing out of the way. I just got to get this thing, I just got to get through this thing. Even if it's going to be great when you do it, it's like, but um, until it's done, it's going to be on my mind. So, I head over to the Sutherland Shire at uh, midday on a Friday and on the way, I get a message from the other comedian that I'm on. I'm on with a guy called Christian Elderfield. Very good, very good comic. Very, very solid act. Uh, and he's like, "Bro, there are so many old dudes here. All men's luncheon." He sends me this photo. It's like he's 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 positioned the photo very well, but the photo is like seventy percent octogenarians. Not really, but they're like old dude, like retirees, like. Men who didn't have to take today off work. Men who haven't had to work a Friday since 9-11. That kind of age. And so uh, I'm like, okay, all right. I rock up. Christian's nervous. That puts him... I'm glad somebody else is nervous. Uh, We're kind of like... We're we're sort of... We're talking about it. We're talking about how we're going to do it. What kind of material should we do? What shouldn't we do? Like, What do you think they're going to go for? Are they going to be too rowdy? I mean, this is, again... The worst situation for stand-up is that all the lights are on. There's food, so everyone's eating and chatting. A massive room. There's heaps of people. The stage isn't that big. Um, Then, uh, so we're sitting down. We're having a bit of lunch, thinking we have time to time to kill. And in the middle of uh, his seafood luncheon, the the booker comes up to Christian and goes, "You good? You ready to go?" And Christian's like, "What? Yeah, we're, we're we're going. We're going now." He goes, oh shit! All right, Christian gets up to leave me. I'm like, all right, here we go. This is gonna be good. So it's about one. It's about one thirty. 
And I'm thinking, I'll see how Christian goes. It'll give me a very good read of what the crowd is going to be like. And, uh, and we'll go from there. So, Christian is waiting in the wings. Before he does, up goes the MC for this evening, who is a, or the day, who is a former rugby league prop. Now, I don't know if you know much about former rugby league props, uh, but the ability for public speaking very rarely contributes to a successful career. And I'm kind of pissing around. He was he was fine. He was fine. It just it was clear he hasn't done this sort of thing before. And the way you do it for stand up is different to the way you would do it for anything else. So he's probably done a bunch of like emceeing of lunches and dinners and whatever. But for st- it's just a different thing for stand up. It's just a bit of a different skill set. So uh, he goes up. Christian's ready to go. He's like, guys, we got we got a we got a stand up comedian for you all. But b- before I bring him up. Uh, I'm going to bring up uh, one of the one of the chairman of the club. This is the the, the club that this kind of uh, event was held for. Okay, so, and who, who wants to have a few words about uh, about about the bushfires that they had, the bushfires that we had recently? So, uh, this guy goes up and goes, "Oh, I was and and spends and spends about five minutes talking about the worst bushfires in recent memory. A pregnant woman who had to move house five times in one day because she kept getting tracked down by the blaze." And the men who fought valiantly for days and nights trying to put out these blazes and saw so many houses reduced to cinder in the process. And I'm going, fuck. This is not a great opener for stand-up comedy. He is not exactly warming up the crowd right now, ironically talking about bushfires. You'd think if anything would warm up a crowd, it would be Black Monday. But no. So, he gets off stage. The MC does no patter. All right, thanks for that, Matt. And uh, let's bring up the comedian uh, Christian Elderfield. He's been on uh, Britain's Got Talent. He's been on Just for Laughs. Let's hear it for him. And off goes Christian. Just, I'm, I'm thinking like, fuck, I'm glad it's not me. What happens? He goes, great. Christian does a fantastic job. It, it takes a little while to get them on site. A lot of them are eating, but by the end of it, they're all into it. He's doing great. I see him get the wind-up from the president of the club, which is perfect. He does 12 minutes or whatever, so he does less than he was even scheduled to do. Gets paid the same. Happy days comes off. He's stoked. He's so relieved. He's, it's, you can just tell the energy's just changed. Like All of the weight's come off his shoulders. He's like, all right, I did it. I did my job. Now, at this stage, uh, I'm going... This is going to be great. They love Christian. They know the stand-up comedy is going to be good. By the time I'm up, they're going to have a few more drinks. They'll be keen. All the food will be gone, so they won't be eating during the time. This is, this is perfect for me. Now, a detail I have left out until now. One of the features of this lunch, and uh, I think one of the reasons it is such a popular event, is it is staffed by a team of topless waitresses. Now, that in of itself, interesting, not necessarily a problem. What I didn't know was immediately before my set, while Christian may have had a uh, an elderly man discussing the dangers of bushfires, which I thought would be a hard act to follow, uh, not as hard an act to follow as a woman dressed like a cowboy doing a strip tease and progressing to rub her tits in the face of pretty much the entire front row. Now, I don't know if you've seen my act 
not quite as visceral. Doesn't quite have the same oomph uh, as a strip tease to the song Cowboy by, who is that by? Kid Rock. Oh, hard to follow Kid Rock, dress up, cosplay, and tits. All of those things, very, very hard to, uh, to follow up on. But don't worry, because uh, between the striptease and me is the auction. Now, the auction for all the different sporting memorabilia, that you would think would bring people back centered, reset the room a little bit, except 75% of people don't want to spend $2,500 on a Cronulla Sharks signed jersey, and therefore kind of spend most of the time just talking over the auctioneer. And the auctioneer tries a lot to get them to pay attention to uh, mixed results would be flattering, to no results whatsoever. So the 25 people who are trying to clean their money by buying some sporting memorabilia, uh, they're paying attention. Everyone else could not give a fuck. And I'm watching this, watching everyone get progressively drunker and more disinterested. A very difficult combination to grasp with as a stand-up comedian, thinking, this is gonna be fucked. Now, how did it go, you might ask? Well, fortunately, somebody thought I might want the footage for this. And, you know, at some stage, I thought maybe I would want the footage. How wrong I was. Let's have a listen, shall we? Please make you feel welcome. Please be respectful, but please get on your feet and give me a round of applause. Thank you. I would like to say I do appreciate the MC trying to get me a standing ovation on my way onto the stage. Tough act. Tough, tough sell. I'm to bleep that out because that is the name of the charity. I don't think I'm allowed to say that. Can you hear how little anybody gives a fuck? Is that coming through? Just a just a sl- just a low hum. Sometimes when I try to uh, when I'm trying to do some like comedy writing in a public space. I put on like a, a, a cafe noise generator to make it sound, just to drown out my thoughts. That's kind of what it sounded like. Just one of those played at full volume. I don't know if you guys saw the entertainment on before me, but she was a tough act to follow, especially for me. My tits are tiny, uh, but they are real. So... Uh, so I'm getting booed on my first joke. Not a great place to start, all right? Uh, I don't know how much more to play. Okay, I'll play this next thing just because I I have a moral quandary with it, but what do you think? My name's Tom, I'm the other comedian, but don't... Uh, I'll skip the rest of this. Guys, can we give a round of applause to the lingerie waitresses? Doing a fantastic job. Biggest response I'm going to get for the entire performance, 100%. Fantastic job. Beautiful... Beautiful girls by Cronulla standards. Beautiful girls. <laughs> now, I think that's very funny <laughs> to say. And uh, if you were there, you would also know very true. Very, very... It was... When I first heard about the lingerie waitresses, I, 
I, I, was, I was picturing Victoria's Secret, and that's on me. That is my mistake. But, uh, oh, lot of, lot of, a <laughs> lot of recent pregnancy stretch marks on those lingerie waitresses, I have to say. Now, when I told my girlfriend about that joke, I told it with, uh, when I came home that day, about how my set had gone. I told it with quite a, uh, quite a profound sense of glee that she did not share. She thought that was a very rude thing to say in the presence of seven women doing their job. And, you know, when she put it like that, not only did she have a point, uh, I think she had the point. I don't think there's anything justifiable about But, hey, I would love to hear from you guys. What do you think? Was it... Was it was, was, I say I'd love to hear what you think. Here's what I'd really love to hear. Um, could you make me feel better about having said that? Could you make me? Could you tell me that it's funny enough that it's all right to hurt those poor ladies' feelings? Now, in my defence of all of the entertainment being paid there today, there's a good chance they were earning at least double what I was. So, look, you know, it's it's hard. We were we were all we we were all victimised in different ways. Uh, look, guys, I think that's about as much as I'm willing to reflect on that day. It was a troubling. It was a oh, but. Got the money in cash, by the way, unless the ATO is listening, in which case, uh, unpaid. Did it for the kids. So, thanks for tuning in once again to show some respect. Tom Whitcomb is talking another killer episode, but that's they all are, aren't they? No, no, not a down, not a down episode, not a down moment. I hope you guys have had a fantastic week, and hey, I'll see you again next week. For the next instalment of Show Some Respect, Tom Wickham is talking. Until then, see ya.